loving God, we have heard the depth of your love for us. As the scriptures have been read and sung, we stand amazed that you would love us like that. Lord, we pray that you will reveal to us what you would have us learn from this point forward or what misunderstanding you might want us to clear up so that we will truly be able to proclaim the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. There are very few passages in scripture that speak with such authority and such wonder as those that we have just heard proclaimed by the choir. Here we find God's ultimate plan for humankind for our salvation. Once again, we are looking at God's great pursuit recorded by Israel's prophets. Remember, we are working our way through the Bible. We have finished with the kings who thought they knew how to run the world. And now we hear from the prophets who are proclaiming what God desires for his people. Today, we return to the prophet Isaiah. There may be disagreement among theologians about what is the exact meaning of Isaiah's words, but one thing they all agree upon, his prophecy is not for the faint of heart or the weak of stomach. We hear words like, surely he took up our pain and bore our sufferings. We considered him punished by God, stricken by him, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Each of us has turned his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. This scripture passage is also known as the suffering servant, and I must admit that it is one of my least favorite passages. Whenever I read it or hear it read, I feel my insides churn, my anxiety increases, and feelings of guilt begin to fill my heart. Yet when Scott asked me to preach on this passage, I quickly agreed because along with the others that you have also heard, it is also my favorite scripture. For me, it lays the foundation for my belief in a loving and a just God. And I believe it is the perfect place to begin to prepare for Easter as we begin the season of Lent this Wednesday. The prophet Isaiah shouts this message of who God is and how we are to live as a community and as individual recipients of God's good gifts of life and life eternal. Divine intervention, according to Isaiah, will do what we cannot do for ourselves. It will remove our sin and transform our suffering into hope and healing. What a promise. Ashby was a precocious six-year-old girl in a previous church. And she had received a very firm no from her mother when she asked for something. She was clearly devastated by her mother's response, staring at her mother for quite a while, 
and then she bowed her head and covered her hand over her mouth and whispered down into her chest. Then she turned her ear as if she was listening. Well, her mother watched this for a while and then said, Ashby, what are you doing? I told God what you said, she replied. Obviously, this was something that needed divine intervention if there was going to be a different decision. Her mom paused and then said, well, what did God say? And Ashby gave a deep sigh, rolled her eyes and said, he loves you anyway. Wouldn't that have been a great sermon title? God loves you anyway. After listening to the music and the scripture, I think it would be very fitting because that's God's message to us. God loves us completely anyway. He suffered for us. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows the Lord has laid upon him the sin of us all, claims the prophet. Our wrong, our transgressions. He took our place to bear the judgment of our sin, even though he himself knew no sin. I need a creator God, one that is all-powerful, all-knowing, present everywhere. I need a suffering servant, one who has experienced every hurt, every physical, emotional, and spiritual wound that I have had. I don't want some distant, way out there God who knows nothing about my soul, my heart, or what my life has been. I want a God who has known and experienced my joys and my sorrows. If it was a God that didn't know me completely, who hadn't bore sorrows of his own, how could I pray to a God like that and expect to hear a word of encouragement or understanding or hope? No, I need Isaiah's Savior. And that's the one I have. That's the one that we all have. I know it's difficult when you're in the midst of struggles and heartbreak to see light at the end of the tunnel, but we must look toward Jesus as the source of our strength. Whether we describe him as a suffering servant or the Messiah, sacrificial lamb, savior, each name points to God's gracious beyond all we can imagine, pursuit of us through Jesus. Jesus, God's ransom for our welfare, now and forever. I wonder what God really would like us to hear today. The scriptures, the songs, they're painful to hear. 
but is part of God's redemptive plan for all of creation, for all of time. It's Lent, and it's a serious time. So I invite you to stay with me today, hang in there, because this is a serious sermon. Last week, Scott preached on indestructible joy. And then he went on vacation, and I get suffering. <laughs> As Rosalind suggested, maybe I could preach on suffering light. <laughs> Actually, this is the greatest love story that we can ever hear. Suffering and death, life and hope. If you listened carefully, I think you will agree. Each time we hear the story of the crucifixion of Jesus, questions arise for all of us. You cannot look at that cross without asking why. You can't face that cross without questioning its meaning. Why did Jesus die there? What is the purpose of the cross? Many have proposed answers throughout the centuries since Jesus cried out, it is finished. But the theologians agree that crucifixion atones for our sins. That means Jesus went in our place. He was our substitute. He was the mending of the broken relationship between God and humanity. And oh my, we needed that from the beginning of time. So did Isaiah, so do we. But today we're not here to debate theology. We are here to cling to Jesus Christ and to gain some meaning of the cross. When we look at the cross, here's the question to ask. Do I believe that Jesus Christ died for me? Do I believe Jesus Christ was crucified for me? We do a pretty good job of dodging that very personal approach. We struggle to believe that Jesus would suffer for us. We can claim Jesus did it for them. We talk easily about others, and isn't it wonderful the salvation they have? But Jesus can travel into the heart of every person everywhere and bring healing. We can point to the loss of life here and around the world knowing that the Jesus who suffered stands by all who mourn. Wherever violence claims the life of the innocent, wherever the suffering of people seems to make no sense, Jesus is there. Haiti. Darfur, all the places that come to mind. Indeed, I realize we could name every place around the world and we would know that there were broken hearts and people needed a suffering servant. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Because he was obedient unto death. He let God's will be done Christ's love for God and his love for all who suffer led him to the cross. 
so we didn't have to. But none of our talk has an impact on how we live our lives unless we believe, really believe, deep down inside that Jesus laid down his life for each and every single one of us. It's Lent, and we can take opportunities to come to a greater understanding and a new awareness of God's love for you, for me, for us. Jesus laid down his life for you, for me, for all of us. Lent is a time where we are invited to look deep within our souls and to see what lies there that needs God's healing. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy ask. Will God still love me if I admit my betrayals and doubts, my poor choices and regrets, my secrets and sorrows? Will, I, will he still love me if I'm honest? Or will I be beyond the reach of God's grace? If you have such fears, look at the cross. If you have presumed you do not deserve the love of God, set your eyes upon Jesus. Gaze at the love of the cross. When you start to wonder who you are in God's eyes, look at the cross. That's our answer. God's role in suffering, our role in suffering, is to comfort and stand alongside those who are in pain. We have a suffering servant who has modeled for us how we are to love one another. And so we walk with those that are brokenhearted, who have physical needs or emotional needs or spiritual needs. Think about our God who suffers for us and with us, who we're told wipes away our tears, who provides strength and courage and grace to help us remember what remains rather than what is lost. The truth is pain and suffering come from the depth of the human condition. Healing comes only when Christ enters those depths. And then we can be channels of God's grace and healing to one another. We are to share those burdens you know, Isaiah had a credibility problem because people could not imagine a Savior, a Messiah, who was going to be bruised and beaten unto death. That just did not fit their preconceptions, their hopes, their desires, and I think it's the same for us. We want to know that we have a God who will take care of everything, and the fact is we do. Because when God suffered in Jesus Christ, he knew what we were feeling. He knows what you are feeling. That's the reason for the cross. Many of you know that I work in congregational care with people who are struggling, who are bearing sorrows. It can be grief, alienation, betrayal, Broken hearts, 
broken relationships. They feel tormented and they wonder where God is. What do we have to offer people who have said goodbye to a spouse of 67 years? What do we say to people who have laid their precious child in the grave? What do we say to people who are unemployed and losing their homes, who want a relationship, who are lonely, who don't know what if they want to go on? What do we say? We look at the cross and we say, God knows your pain and God will provide what is needed to see you through. Now, I know we want the assurance that God will take it away and make it all better. Sometimes that happens, but sometimes life is just messy and the relief comes through death. You know, when things are going really well, we don't say, why, God? Why are you blessing me this way? But sure enough, when things aren't going the way we want them to, what is the first thing we say? God, why is life so difficult? Why have you done this to me? You are all familiar with my colleague, Terry Tripp, and her husband, John. You have been kept up to what is going on in their lives over the last three years through emails and notes, through the Caring Bridge. One of the things that I have experienced through their journey with cancer is that I have grown in my faith as I have seen them struggle and want a different outcome. Just last week, this was written on John's journal page in Caring Bridge. John and Terry have learned based on the scan that the chemotherapy treatments have not been effective. The tumors continue to grow. There is now no medical intervention that will stop them. It's a surrender of sorts. The focus from this point on will be to manage John's pain and the other discomforts associated with such an overwhelming flood. But Terry expressed her soul-felt view that she and John have been given three years' worth of miracles. Three years. That is worth a shout. As a community, we prayed for healing and time, and each was granted. And now comes the end of one kind of hope and the beginning of another. It's not an easy time at all. Yet it is not without its own sweetness and muted joy. At one point in our conversation, the author writes, Terry paused to collect herself, taking in a deep breath. A stillness followed, then she quietly spoke. We live a mystery. We live a mystery. Friends, I would like to say I have all the answers. I have lots of questions. I thought when I went to seminary, I was going to get all the answers, and all I realized were there were more and more questions. But I know what I do believe, and it's what I hold on to when friends walk through tragedy like this, 
or when my own heart is broken by alienation and betrayal, I know that my God lives, that my God went to the cross for me and will not disappoint me when I look to the Lord for help and courage. I have chosen to trust God's promises, all of them. You know, it'd be so easy to take up the Bible and leaf through it and say, hmm, don't like that one and tear that page out. Well, that one's okay. No, I don't like that one either and tear that one out. If it were up to us, I think we'd have a very thin Bible. No, I am going to follow God's teachings. I want to live as a person of indestructible joy. See how the two go together? Maybe you are suffering. I can guarantee that many in this sanctuary are. But Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross. And the question is not, can you believe in God, but can you believe in this God? Many of you know that last October, shortly before Thanksgiving, my precious grandson Daniel took very ill, and I thought he was going to die. And as he lay in the hospital bed, I went to the chapel and I knelt down and I said, oh God, I love life and I want to live, but would you take me instead? God went on our behalf in the person of Jesus Christ. And even as I said that, I heard God say, oh Dana, my love is sufficient. I am with you. That's the God that we worship. Do you believe that Jesus went to the cross for you? Loving God, we so want to believe your promises. We admit that in our humanity and life gets hard and messy, sometimes it's difficult. So would you strengthen us? Would you grow the connection between us? Would you grow our faith so that no matter what comes our way, we know that you are with us? And for that, we can be thankful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.